Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from Psalm 1. As I said, my name is Abe. I get to, I have the privilege and honor of serving as pastor here at Church of the Beloved. And today, what we're going to be doing is going to be wrapping up this sermon series that we've been focused on for the past few months. We've started back in May on the Psalms. Now, I want to be very honest. Um, I, I'm not into poems. I don't like them. I try to be. I, I really do. And they're just not my thing. My wife, Suzette, and her sister, they're amazing poets. Maybe she'll share with you some of the poetry they've written. They love writing it. They love reading it. But me, they're annoying. Um, I'm not, I don't read them. I don't write them. Honestly, even song lyrics don't always do it for me either. I, I, I love listening to music. Don't get me wrong. But I can never remember the words of, of a song. If you've ever seen me lead worship, I'll tell you, in my head, I'm screaming because I will read the words of a song, but because I don't ever remember words, I never remember what song we're about to sing. And so I'm oftentimes freaking out. I remember melodies, but just lyrics don't do it. So when our former uh, pastor, Pastor Clint, uh, before he resigned, when he scheduled uh, this sermon series on the Psalms, I was a little bit nervous, honestly, because I knew it was going to be very challenging for me. It has been. It has been quite challenging for me. Every week, it's been like, you know, pulling teeth. Well, not like pulling teeth, not that bad, but it's just been very hard for me to understand what it is God wants me to share from the pulpit when it comes, whenever we dived into these different Psalms. But I'll tell you, I'm really glad that we've been doing it for the past few months. Because I, I will, I've truly come to appreciate the wisdom that we've been able to gain as we've studied these psalms. Now, there may be a few, maybe one, one of you are thinking, if we're ending the psalm series, why are we ending it on Psalm chapter 1, and why aren't we ending it on Psalm chapter 150, the last one? And there are, ultimately, there are two reasons for this. One, not my fault wasn't my idea. It's Pastor Clint who actually put the schedule together. I, I'll be honest, I've been a little bit busy over the past few months. You know, I, for some of you know, I retired from my tech job. Um, I took on my role here as a full-time pastor at Beloved because, you know, I wasn't bivocational anymore. Uh, but I, I mean, and it's a short-term role. I did it so that I could help us transition, help tra- COTV transition as Suzette and I prepare to return to San Francisco to take care of our parents at the end of August. So, and then we had the whole thing with Pastor Clint resigning, which I'm not going to get into right now. So I really didn't have a chance to, to think through and change the original plans, and I didn't have a chance to talk to Pastor Clint before he left about what his uh, ideas were around this particular sermon series. So I just, honestly, I just left the schedule in place so that we could have, and I decided, you know, Derek and Michael, our elders, I just thought we, they'd just help me out and we'd just follow the schedule as is, and we revamp the rest of the year together. But now that we've been going through this for the past few months, I will, I, I think there's a better reason for us to end with the first psalm versus the last one. Um, and I'll tell you, it's because I think, I don't want this to be the end, honestly. 
I want each of us to continue taking the time to go through these songs. Yeah, the sermon series is ending today. Uh, and yeah, like I said, I'm not a big fan of poems, but there is so much value in these psalms, and I hope you've been able to gain some of that too over the past few months. So we're ending this particular series with the very first psalm so that I can hopefully remind each of us here what the psalms are for. And so then hopefully we can together be encouraged to continue soaking them in, even after today. Because I don't want to end the end of this series to be the end of our own personal journey through the Psalms. And I want to make a shameless plug for just one moment. Um, one great place uh, for every single one of us here to get deeper into the Psalms is by joining us on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have something called pre-service prayer. We meet for just half an hour from 9.15 to 9.45, so you would have to lose a little bit of sleep. But just 30 minutes, we have your sisters and brothers, we gather in a, in a room, it's room number eight across the hall, and we consider a different Psalm every single week. And then we pray through that Psalm together, and then we pray for the service. And Tom and Ariel, who lead this, they have an amazing breakfast game. So come join us starting in August, if you don't mind. But as I said, I want to look at Psalm chapter 1 as we close out this sermon series. Uh, and I kind of inferred it. Psalm chapter 1 introduces the goal of this entire book, sometimes called the Psalter, right? In introduces the goal of the book to the beloved of God. And based on the introduction to this anthology of poems, the goal of the Psalter is to help us understand how to be happy, how to live blessed. Verse 1, let me read it again. It says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of walkers. Now, you might have a different translation, you know, the ESV or the NIV, even the King James Version. All those translations translate the original Hebrew word, which is athli, uh, as blessed instead of happy. So it usually says, so blessed is the one who, yada, yada, yada. Um, but before we consider, uh, and I want to take the time to consider how to be blessed, as it shows us in this song, how to be happy or how to be athli, I want to take a moment to see what it means to be blessed, at least from a biblical perspective. And to do that, I want to turn to Psalm chapter 32, verse 1. And there it says this, How joyful, or asri, again, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered? How asri, or joyful, is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, and in whose spirit is no deceit? So to be blessed is to be forgiven, to be joyful, to be happy, and to be asri is to have our sins covered. In chapter 34, verse 8, it reads this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How asri, how happy is the person who takes refuge in him? So to be blessed is to have a refuge in God. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we preached on Psalm chapter 11. We talked about how our refuge comes from God when we honestly come to God, right? Another one in Psalm chapter 65, verse 4, it says this, How asri, how happy is the one you, God, chose and bring near to live in your courts and will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. 
To be blessed by God is to be chosen by God, to be his beloved child. So to be happy or to be blessed, to be asri, is to be forgiven. It is to be covered by the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. To be happy and to be blessed is to be in God's refuge and to be chosen by our King. So Psalm chapter 1, this introduction to the anthology, it is telling us that this Psalter, the Psalms, is going to be useful to the reader to understand how to be asli, to be blessed and to be happy. So that's what it means to be blessed from a biblical perspective. Now I want to take a look at how the author describes the path to and the path away from this blessedness, this happiness. <clears throat> Going back to verse 1, it says that the blessed, the happy one, is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Right? So the path away from God, the path away from blessing and from happiness is a very active path. These are very action-oriented words. These, these are things we do. These are actions we engage in. And the order of these words as well, walk, stand, sit, they draw a very distinct picture of how we might be actively moving away from God. I want you to imagine something here. Imagine that you're going to a concert, you're going to a show, right? And you walk to the show, and then you stand in line to get in, and then you sit with the crowd to enjoy the show. So the path away from being blessed, it is an active process of moving away from God, of moving in with Satan, moving to the world moving in with those who would live like there is no God. That's the path away from God. It is a decision that I or you might be making to walk towards something and then sit in that with the, sit in it with, which draws my attention away from God. Now on the other hand, the path to God, the path to blessing, we can see it in verse 2. In verse 2 it says this, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. I want to unpack this sentence for just a moment. Um, I want to consider what it is and why the author might be using the word delight. Because so, if we consider what it says in verse 1, the path away from God is something that we walk and stand and sit in, why wouldn't the path to God follow that kind of pattern, right? Instead, this poem's author writes that the path to God and the path to blessing and the righteousness is, is something we delight in. And so why wouldn't this poet use a, the same pattern to differentiate between the two paths that are before us? And I do believe that it's because the real path to God is from within. See, when we are transformed from within, the actions that come without are impacted, right? The, the poet of Psalm chapter 1 is showing that we need to focus on the internal heart transformation towards God. We know not, don't focus on the legalistic, the rote, the prescriptive laws and guidelines that make it look like we're being obedient to God. If we need to be in the heart transformed, so we need to delight in God. And what we're called to delight in here 
What we're called uh, to find our, uh, our internal transformative joy in is the Lord's instruction. Now, there are other translations, again, you might be using an ESV or NIV or something. They, they use the term law instead of instruction. I, I, but I, I appreciate this version, the Christian Standard Bible, their translation of the original Hebrew. The original Hebrew is Torah. Because I think that's a more accurate translation of the intended meaning of this word. Because what we are called to delight in, it is not limited to just what we might view as the law but rather it is inclusive of all the truth that God's instructions provide to us. I want to read to you from John chapter 10, verse 34. John 10, 34 says this, Jesus answered them, isn't it written in your law? I said you are gods. I'm not going to explain what, what he's talking about here, but the law that Jesus is quoting, it's not the one that's the law handed down by Moses. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 82, verse 6. Uh, in John chapter 15, verse 25, it says, but this happens so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. See, the law that's being quoted here, again, is not from Moses. It's from Psalm 69, verse 4. See, the contextual understanding of that original Hebrew word Torah it is not supposed to be limited to the Levitical laws, to the Ten Commandments. It's to be inclusive of all of God's wisdom and all of God's scripture. It's including all of God's words and all of God's works. So our delight in all of God's instruction, our internal transformation of joy, which is enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit, our joy in all of God's words will bring blessing. Another way to think of it is righteousness leads to happiness. Now, the, I, I want to, maybe I'm overemphasizing this, but I want to point out that the poem, poet's reference to the Torah, this is an important one from a gospel perspective. See, the poet's point regarding our delight in God's instruction, this point absolutely cannot and should not be limited to what most people think of as the law. I want to read to you Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It tells us, no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. It, it, the law cannot be used for our justification because the law points out our need for justification and we realize our sin because we are given God's law. So if we limit what we find delight in to just the rules, the law, it's not going to be enough. Be to further emphasize this point, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, here's another one, says, There is certainly no one righteous on the earth who does good and never sins. So if we end up limiting our understanding of what we're to have delight in to just the rules, the Levitical laws, then we're going to misunderstand and miss what the Psalms is telling us that we're supposed to find our delight in. A limited understanding of the word law or Torah, it will never let us understand or allow us to be blessed or find happiness or find joy because the law points out that we can never be made righteous. But if we understand that it is the totality of God's words, the totality of God's works, that's what we're called to have delight in, then, then we can actually truly appreciate what it says in Psalms chapter 32, verse 1, which I read earlier. 
How asri, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. See, if we consider the totality of God's instructions, all of the Bible, then we can say what Paul, what he wrote to the Romans uh, in chapter 5, verse 9. He said this, How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will be we be saved through him from wrath. See, the path to God is traveled when we delight in God's instruction, the totality of God's instruction. The path to God is also traveled when we meditate on it day and night. That's the second half of that first verse. And I want to unpack uh, that particular verse by focusing on that one word, meditate. Now, one thing we should be doing when reading scripture is we need to try to take the time to consider to the best of our ability the original readers of a particular poem or passage, okay? And so if we think about this, thousands of years ago, you might have had a single set of scrolls that was for the community that would be kept in a temple, right? And that means this, that the meditation of scripture on God's instructions the original Israelites, they would not just be able to take out their Bible app and read it anytime they wanted to. They needed to memorize as much of God's word as possible so that they could meditate on it day and night. My, my dad, um, he's a retired pastor. He used to travel a lot to China. Uh, he would go like every year. He would be ministering to North Korean refugees uh, along the border there. And he would also try to visit local house churches in northern China. And every time he would go, though, a little tangent here, every time he would go into China, he would have a minder follow him everywhere, the you know, secret servant, whatever, bad people. So, so getting him to these underground house churches was challenging at best. He would have to figure out ways to ditch his minders. Uh, eventually... Uh, his passport was flagged well, a lot by the Chinese government. So he finally decided to become an American citizen. He lived in the U.S. for 30 years. He's like, never going to become American. I am Korean. Uh, no, he didn't. But he, 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 just, he did it because he just wanted a new identity so that he could keep going to China uh, and supporting the house churches and the Korean, North Korean refugees out there. Um, I still make fun of him. <laughs> American. Um, anyway, he told me a story of one of his visits. Well, actually, he didn't tell it to me. He was telling somebody else. I happened to be hearing it. Uh, he doesn't talk to me. Anyway, uh, he, he was visiting a house church in China. And he, he was explaining how they were all, it was a small group, but they were sitting in a small circle. He was just in awe of their faithfulness, the faithfulness of these Christians who were being constantly persecuted. None of them had a Bible. They didn't have access to it. But they would recite by memory scripture passage after scripture passage and just encourage each other because they so wanted to meditate on God's instructions day and night. And the only way for them to do that, only way for them to do this, because they had no access to any Bibles, was to do what the Israelites did thousands of years ago. They memorized it. See, the path away from God is one where People who decide to live like there's no God, they, they're going to walk and stand and sit outside of God's righteousness and refuge. That's the path away from God. The path to God 
This is journeyed by delighting, by being internally transformed by the words and the works of God. The path to God is by meditating and by memorizing God's instructions. I'll tell you, when I was a kid, um, my mom made me memorize Psalm chapter 1, all of it. I I think it was the King James Version, because we're immigrants, so we didn't know what ESV or NIV was. I'm just glad she didn't try to make me memorize it in Korean. But I, I remember some of it still in the King James, like, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the path of, uh, of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meant to say, no, you should it. Anyway, it, it's, it's harder to remember than what we have here. But my mom would make me recite this whole psalm like every single week, every week. It was so annoying. Um, but here's the thing. That passes, that psalm helped me during my darkest times. The instructions of God had been so ingrained in my heart because I had spent so much time meditating and memorizing it as a child that those memorized verses came back, helped me find my way back to God. I have a note in my phone now. It's called uh, uh, Memory Verses. Every time I come across a passage or a verse that I find encouraging or challenging, uh, uplifting, insightful, I add that verse to my list. Now, I have not memorized all those. This is aspirational. I want to memorize these, but I try. I try. Because I understand meditating on the Word of God day and night includes memorizing. Now, I'm not telling you this story to brag anything about it or because I want to appear legalistic. I don't want to make you focus on doing something for the sake of doing something. That's not my goal here. But if you have a desire, a desire to delight in God's instructions, if you have a desire to draw near to God by knowing God more, then I am going to ask you to consider doing two things. The first is this. Meditate on the Word of God by reading the Word of God. Uh, I have started simple Bible reading plans uh, in the Bible app with like three or four different people here. You can do that with your roommate, with your partner, with somebody in your community group. I'm going to ask you to commit to reading God's Word on a regular basis and do it with someone. Do it with someone so that you can keep each other accountable. My wife and I have been doing it for a year. You're doing the Bible reading in a year plan. We encourage each other through it. The second thing I want you to consider doing is this. Memorize scripture. Because meditation does expect memorization. And I'm not asking you to memorize the whole Bible. You know, start with something simple. John 11:36. Jesus wept. Uh, John 3.16, most of you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only... Anyway, I'm going to ask you, maybe it's a challenge, but I'm going to ask you to consider meditate by memorizing. Memorizing a different passage, one every two months, one a year. Memorize scripture. We've unpacked two verses. There are four more, and I am definitely running out of time. So I just want to look at verse 3, and then we're going to end for today, okay? In verse 3, it says this. He says, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bear its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, prosper. 
And I'm pretty sure that we don't need to spend a lot of time on the first half of verse 3. Even I, a person who is able to kill a fake plant, I know that a plant that is well watered and well cared for will flourish, right? I understand that. In the same way, if you are steeped in the gospel, if you are one that meditates and memorizes God's instructions, you will be able to handle the dark days and you will be able to rejoice in the glory days. So what I like to do to, as we get ready to close out is just focus on the last word of this verse where it says, all that the one who delights in God's instruction does will prosper. Now, here's the thing. We cannot be naive when reading scripture. We cannot. We must consider all of God's words, all of God's instructions when considering scripture. So, we have to take the time to acknowledge there are passages like what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 15. So now, we consider the arrogant to be fortunate. Not only do those who commit wickedness prosper, they even test God and escape. So sometimes good things happen to bad people, and sometimes bad things happen to good there's another passage in Psalm chapter 44, verse 22. It says this, because of you, speaking of God, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. So how can this poet write that, that the one who delights in God's instruction will prosper? It seems a bit naive. That's not the real world. And I think it's because we need to understand when we will prosper. Because prosperity that God promises is based on God's timeline, not mine. In Luke chapter 14, um, Jesus was talking to some folks there having a meal together, and he was sharing a lesson on humility. And he explains in verse 14 that blessing is going to come to those who are humble. And he says, when? He says, you will be blessed because they can't repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. There's this thing called the prosperity gospel. You may be familiar with it. It's also called the health and wealth gospel. I call it the not the gospel. Um, and this non-gospel takes the promise of prosperity and makes it about me. It makes it about us. It makes it about my timeline, not God's, not God's plan, not God's timeline. Believers in the prosperity, not the gospel, will take passages. Uh, Romans 8, chapter 32 says this. Um, God did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? So uh, they will explain that if you name it, you can claim it. Because they're focusing on their own timeline, not God's. The, the prosperity, not the gospel, will do the same thing for uh, passages like in Ephesians chapter 3, verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. And the heretics of the prosperity, not the gospel, are going to say, oh yeah, we're going to receive everything back in our lifetime right now. They think of their own timeline, not God's. 
See, as the righteous, beloved children of God who delight in God's instructions, meditating and memorizing it so we can walk, stand, and sit in God's words and in God's works, we are promised all things. We are promised prosperity when his kingdom comes. See, the Psalms, these, this is Christ's hymn book. The Psalms are God's instructions, the Torah. And we can delight in these instructions. We can be internally transformed by them so that we can be asri, so that we can be blessed, joyful, and happy. And I ask, do not let these words escape your lips without letting them impact your hearts. Be transformed so that we can find our refuge in God Almighty, the one who promises to watch over us. His beloved children. He promises to watch over us because we are his beloved children. We have been made righteous by Christ alone. This is the Psalms. And this is why we focus on it. Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.